This is Parent Boss Leader. Parent, parent, boss, boss, leader, 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 leader. And here's your host. She's a courageous voice for women, parents, and modern workforce leaders alike. She's a keynote speaker and proud mother of two, the vice president of sales and strategy for ATR International, Laura R. Munson. Hello and welcome to the podcast, Parent Boss Leader, an interactive podcast where I interview leaders across industries. Today, thank you for joining us. We have Sam Smith, powerful force for the good, president of Magnet and sits in the UK. Welcome, Sam. Thank you for having me. I'm absolutely delighted, Laura, to to be here. Um, I don't know about the power for good um, thing, but I do my best and um, I'm really excited about joining you today. So thank you. Goodness, you are a delight. So today we're going to talk about Sam's journey and her way, the way she's really rose up through the ranks and paving the way for women, diversity, and also being a parent. So excited to ask a couple of questions. We'll dive in. So first things first, Sam. How has your journey to becoming the president of Magnet, how has it shaped you of your perspective of women in roles? That's such a huge question, Laura, um, and multifaceted, really. Um, you know, my journey has been long. Um, I know I have the youthful face of uh, a young person, um, yeah. but that's that's definitely product-based. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, look, it's been it's been a long journey, and I think it's all been, um, dare I say it, performance based. Um, making sure that I deliver on the promises that I make, um, and that I support those around me, and also accept the support of those around me. I've been really fortunate. I don't use the word lucky um, on purpose, but I've been very fortunate to have had some wonderful leaders in the past that have advocated for me, um, some of them being female, some of them being male, um, but very much have been around people that have lifted each other um, in quite male-dominated areas, um, which I guess one could say has um, allowed me to shine, um, right? So I often see the the light and the gap and have been – um, brave enough, I think, to step into it. Um, not always successfully. I've um, really messed up um, many, many times. And I've again been fortunate enough to have been with leaders and others around me that have not necessarily celebrated failure, but have allowed for those failures to be learning um, opportunities and for me to grow from them. So it's been at times a, a, a bumpy journey. I've you know, accepted and taken on roles and jobs and elements of jobs and scope creep within my own job to prove myself. Um, and that's what we do, right? Um, I've stepped into gaps that other people have left and done that willingly. At times, you know, creating some stress um, for myself, um, but with the view that I'm doing it to advance my career and further my own opportunities. Um, so it's been somewhat calculated, somewhat fortuitous, um, but always 
um, if not most often, but always, um, as a result of other people around me being gracious and um, very giving um, and generous with their time um, and support. So I've been part of ecosystems that have lifted me and given me then the opportunity to lift others. Wow. If I was to sum it up, I think what I hear is a lot of hard work, (laughs) kindness, and having a good network. Yes, I think that is the simplified and perhaps um, easier way of saying it. Um, Yeah, I didn't give you a short answer. But yeah, that's a really good way of summing it up. Yeah, no, I loved hearing your story, too, because you exude it's kindness, humility, yet at the same time, fierce competency. So I think it's very admirable for people raising through the ranks to emulate as well. One thing that we had talked about before, Sam, and it really inspired me because often women don't tend to lift other women up. It's a stigma. There's something. I've been to conferences on it, but it's important to you. And throughout your role in your career, you've really put an emphasis as a leader, lifting other women up. And I wanted to talk a little bit more about that, kind of what you think about it, how you've done it, some thoughts. Go ahead. I think the reason it's such a thing for me is because I've observed it not happening brilliantly. Um, You know, I've seen women compete with each other um, and so unnecessarily so and take each other down. Um, And I feel very, very passionately that I have I have an amazing opportunity, having got to the the place I am and the role that I'm in and the place that I love. And actually, over the last, you know, let's say 10 years, I've been in different leadership roles that give me the opportunity to turn around um, and look into the groups of people that I work with and say, hey, you know what? I am where I am because of you. And actually now I have no vulnerability. I'm confident enough in myself to be able to grab you by the hand and slingshot you in front of me and push you forward and celebrate you and put you in the spotlight. And that for me has been an incredibly empowering thrilling, exhilarating process in my career where I can think of many, many women and some males too, where I have been able to grab them by the hand and pull them through and shove them, you know, gently um, in front of me. Shove is not a gentle word, but push them in, in front of me and say, go and celebrate your brilliance. I'm not going to take accountability for your work. Um, And I see that a lot, particularly with women in leadership roles that take accountability for other people's work and kind of assume it for their own. And I think that's so wrong. Um, And I think we should, you know, put the correct name tag on the efforts of others um, and particularly for women, push them forward. And, you know, I I remember once saying, grab them by the handbag and pull them through um, because, that for me is a great sense of accomplishment and an achievement in watching other women and seeing other women that are supported and become part of the support ecosystem for more 
that mm-hmm. I think is my responsibility as a leader and as a human being in this industry and any other industry too. And I'd love to see it happen more. Beautiful. Sam, it's beautiful. I love, I was laughing a bit. I love your imagery, even slingshotting people forward, pulling yeah. by the handbag. I love that because often what you'll see is our male counterparts as leaders, it's just innate to reach down and pull each other up. Women will compete against each other. And perhaps it is because of the way society's been so long that when a woman finally makes it to a place of leadership, there's so few other women, she has to guard it. But I think what you're sharing and your gift to listeners is saying, no, be confident in yourself, lift others up. Let's emulate that practice. Let's balance the boardrooms out. And that's beautiful. I think it's beautiful. And speaking of that, one thing we had chatted about before, and I loved it, you had really called it the intersectionality of diverse spend and its actual benefits to underrepresented communities. Could you provide some examples in your experience combining, say, the diverse spend piece and also the benefits to underrepresented communities? Yeah, you know, this is going to be a little bit controversial, I should imagine. Um, So we have this magical um, spend category called diverse spend. And my view is this spend category, um, particularly in the contingent labour space, um, or any I assume that you can attach this to, um, isn't the force for good that perhaps it was was meant to be. Um, and just because you are a, a women-owned or a minority-owned organisation doesn't necessarily mean that you are flowing through your organisation or through your product or through your service, the nature of that diversity. And I think that's a gap. What I would like to see is communities being represented or being impacted by diverse spend. And until I can see that, then it adds less weight to me as a category. And, you know, I would, you know, challenge procurement organisations that lean into a diverse spend in saying, oh, well, because this is a minority owned business, this $100 million of spend, for example, means something more or less. But if we break that down and look, in my case, it's all about talent of that spend category. What percentage of the talent being introduced to an organization through that minority owned organization is diverse Mm -hmm. and it's not enough. Mm -hmm. Um, So the flow through of the category of spend under diverse labeling isn't actually impacting the communities that I feel it can really, really serve um, until organisations, till the end customer, you know, puts in place some different methodologies or has a different mindset on how they recruit. Um, And, you know, AI and technology are not necessarily the answer. You can then get into these false narratives of what that looks like. But again, I would much prefer to see the journey between 
what is classified as diverse spend and the impact on communities and the underrepresented communities and minorities that are the consumers, that are the people living in the properties and traveling on the transportation systems and buying the, the consumer goods or working in those FMCG environments, I'd like to see them better represented by the tag of diverse spend. And I mm-hmm. feel that there is a big, big delta between the category and those in the communities that are impacted. Um, and I'd love to see that change. I'd love to see organisations get to a narrative that diverse spend means diverse talent, diverse impact and diverse community engagement. I think we're way, way from that right now. Yes, we have ways to go. Do you feel like you've seen, I think it is such a hot topic and controversial topic. There's feelings around it. There can be live wires. I know that different events that I've gone to, big events, it's coming up on panels. Do you feel like you're witnessing that as well, that the conversation at least is being started? Or do you feel like there's a gap there as well? No, I think the conversation's been started. Um, You know, I may poke at the um, uh, organizers and say, you know, how much of this is about optics? Um, you know, looking to be seen to be doing the right thing. So you no longer have a, what was it people used to call it, a, a manal, right? Um, a, a fully male panel of experts. We now have, you know, women being um, invited uh, to sit on panels um, more regularly. Um, is there diversity of thought coming through those panels? Um you know, I think there is a bit of a way to go. Um, and I think there's also some work on the on, on our part, on women's part, in, you know, being more confident in putting ourselves up for it and saying, yes, I want to do that. Um, again, being more confident in women leaders putting forward their team members uh, to be seen and heard and recognised for their own achievements, accomplishments and speciality um, so that, Others and organisers understand who is available in the marketplace. And it's not always John, it can be Jill or Jane. Um, But again, we're just not closing the gap in ensuring that women are and and other diverse groups are represented as well. I'm lucky. I see some diversity in our industry, you know, really coming through. I mean, Teresa Carroll, our CEO, is, you know, a very well-known and brilliant speaker uh, on the subject of contingent labour and and particularly workforce demographics. Um, and we see her representing our business and herself incredibly well. Um, but I'd say there's a way to go. Um, there is a delta. Um, and, you know, I would say to organisers and events, you know, don't use it as a checkbox exercise. You know, really put some thought into it because it's the diversity of thought that is delivered as a result of the diverse panel that I think that makes the subject so very interesting and engaging. Yeah. What makes me smile so much, Sam, is people like you are the ones who are helping this conversation to be had, leveraging your role and speaking to organizations. I think that's powerful. Let's switch gears a little bit to parenthood. Okay. So tell me, 
how do you balance, say, prior or tell me, how do you balance privacy and the need to be a role model for working mothers, especially as an executive yourself? Um, the 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 privacy piece um, is is fairly easy. Um, you know, I I opted into um, you know being very thoughtful about what I did and did not share um, about my life and my family um, to create a sense of uh, respect uh, for my my son. Um, he's thirteen now, um, and he made it very clear very early on what he felt was acceptable and not acceptable around his own image, right? You know, he didn't want his photograph posted on uh, social media, for example. And if it was going to be on, he, he'd he have an approval, right? Oh. Um, so privacy in that regard, you know, is, is very well managed, um, yeah. you know, within the household. Um, I do think as part of an authentic self approach to work. I think it helps to um, show my full self and bring my full self to uh, the office on a day-to-day basis and showing who I am and what my family construct looks like helps, particularly because it's slightly different to the majority of of people's. Um, So I think sharing that to a degree opens up diversity, opens up a sense of thoughtfulness in saying uh, to other women, same-sex couples, hey, you know, I live your life um, and, you know, that's that's who I am. I I hesitate to say, and that's okay, because why wouldn't it be okay? It's my life. Um, And I think from feedback that I've had from people within the LGBTQ plus community, um, I, I say plus because I am terrible with all of the the, the extensions, um, which and I don't want to miss anybody, so I say plus. Um, is that people say thank you, you know, for being uh, open and being representative and showing who you are, um, and that's important. So the balance of privacy, going back to your original question, is. You know, as your as my child has grown up, I have had open dialogue. You know, what do you feel comfortable with people knowing? Um, you know, we had a a, a moniker. Um, you know, my child is known as Wonder Son um, uh, across the business. Um, you know, of course he has a name, but he's known as Wonder Son. Um, so Wonder Son, uh, you know, has his own little persona. Um, people know I have a, a 13-year-old boy and, and he's Wonder Son and he is wonderful and he is the, you know, epicenter of my thoughts daily and what I do. Um, and, you know, beyond that, my family construct is known. Um, my same-sex relationship is known. Um, but I don't go into too much more detail beyond that. Um, and I think that's simply a choice. Um, and I think it also represents how I think the balance of social media has opened up people's homes and privacy and lives to a, a point that leaves no imagination and no stone unturned and no privacy. Um, and I came off of Facebook, gosh, I think in 
you know, 2010 or something um, and, and said, it's not for me. Um, some others, you know, certainly LinkedIn and, and Twitter or X, as we should now know it. Um, I'm, I'm an active participant, uh, predominantly for business. Um, but I just, you know, think that we went from this non-internet age of no information to entirely the other end of the scale. And I made a decision to create a balance point and that balance point errs on the side of privacy, but also doesn't compromise or contradict who I am. And I make sure I bring enough of who I am every day um, for it to be a meaningful contribution to what diversity means at work. Wow. It's so many amazing points. I feel like I could just sit at your feet. Taking notes on this, even the way that you protect your son, I even think of that with my young kids. Um, even one of my my eight year old, she says, "Don't post anything of me, mom, unless yeah. I see it first. And it really, it's a violation of privacy. I think parents kind of do it in a good natured way, but so much information's out there; it can even be dangerous too. So yeah. I like. What and how you're kind of coaching how you've operated in your own life. I wanted to ask, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, hey, look, I, I'm not suggesting I've got it all right. It's been a, an education for myself along the way. Um, but I, I think technology and particularly um, AI and, and how your own um, persona, your online self um, can be corrupted. Um, and I think that's also a part of my driver in controlling that. Wow. That's true too. Um, and by corruption, would it be fair if I said that it's putting on airs for other people to see how amazing your life is when there could be pain over here or editing one's face, just a fake presentation. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. A fake presentation. It's, a, it's kind of living this falsehood of um, mm -hmm. filtering um, life um, to make it look like it's something different. Um, and it's funny, actually, um, really quick um, story. Yeah. You know, I was um, somebody I haven't seen for some time uh, because I've been on a bit of a wellness journey, um, assumed that I had, you know, created a new avatar using technology. Um, but it and it wasn't until they saw me in person, they were like, oh, it is actually you. It's not a, you know, a, a fake um, profile. But we've become so used to people using social wow. media and imagery to create this filtered version of ourselves um, yeah. that, you know, I think it's just become for me ever more important uh, for the connection to reality to be stronger than a filter. Yes, I think that's a powerful message right there stay connected in reality because the fake life, the fake filter, we're seeing such an epidemic of even depression over it. People comparing their lives. I don't have this. I don't have that. Yet the people posting have problems too. Yeah. Well, right? mental health aspects of um, yep. this kind of filtered life are significant and very real. Um, so, and particularly for young people. Um, so I think a lot of the way in which I'm thinking about it is uh, about protecting um, you know, my family, my child, um, and not not kind of supporting this positioning of um, fake 
fitness filtered lifestyle um so yeah I, you know i might put up a picture of um you know a pie i made or something um but you know it is the pie i made so you know and i feel proud about it so that's why i did it but hey we're all different <laughs> yeah. so great example jumping into being an executive yourself having a son how would you say that the balance went for you when it comes to say career work demanding schedule travel yet at the same time helping to raise a little life and impart your wisdom on this little life how is that balance for you and what advice would you have for other people um look uh Laura I I'll be really open I don't think I've balanced it particularly well um I don't think I've been uh, a brilliant and present parent uh, for as much of um of my my child's upbringing as perhaps I should and I would have liked to have done so what I have done is try to ensure that the times that I am present I'm fully present and not on my phone um or not with my laptop on my lap or at the kitchen table or or wherever so the the balance has probably not been brilliant um but there are some areas that one sits down and and talks with their family about to address that um and you give up on some points to take in other areas um and you know there are also open conversations that i've had with um with wonder son um mm-hmm. you know and have leveraged technology to its fullest with daily video calls and check-ins and as he's become a bit older um and is now a, a a teenager um actually what i've learned is is those times where you are there and he's quite happily playing away with lego i'm in the background and i'm watching and observing that's for me not necessarily for him so the important points are to be there for him at the important points and for sure you know not like unlike any other parent i will have missed some of those important points um but i've also made sure um that i've been there for as many of the important points as as i can be and will continue to um but i'm also now taking the cues from him because what's important has changed um mm-hmm. you know he's now hanging out with his friends or doing other things um you know dare i say it you know there there may be ladies involved or girls involved and you know having his old mama hanging around is um uh, you know around the corner of the street building watching what's going on is it's not helpful um and you know i certainly don't need to interview um his girlfriend or his girlfriend's parents to ascertain suitability which of course is uh, is what i'm prone to do um in the playground um whilst collecting him and he's like why are you collecting me on 13 i walked to school on my own pants um so it's about taking cues um and evolving with the age of um my child to understand how my role is changing mm-hmm. um you know as he was a a baby and a toddler um and going to preschool and you know what we call junior school um you know that period of time was very very grounded and you know i did a lot less travel um but as he's grown up um and as he's become less um less 
I don't I don't want to say relentless reliant on me because that's not what I mean. Um, Maybe more independent. More independent, absolutely. And um, then I've taken that ability to then to do more. But look, I will also say again, I think any parent that says that they've nailed it and has been brilliant and got the balance right is um, perhaps there's a bit of poppycock creeping in there, and it's not the truth. Um, but you know, I've done my best. Yes. No, I, I love that poppycock or a lack of maybe self-awareness. Yeah. I think what you share, and I really appreciate your transparency, your honesty. I think there's a lot of commonality with women in general when we share about rigorous travel schedules or being career woman, there's a choice. It's hard to do both. And there's a push and a pull constantly. And I think the moms who do admit that sometimes I haven't done it right. I think that that helps us grow and relate. It doesn't mean it's the end of the story. It just means maybe there's instances along the way where we recalibrate, we learn. And I think that our children really do tell us when we need to reprioritize. I even think personally, one of my last work trips, my daughter actually was crying, asking me not to go. And it really was stabbing my heart. And it made me consider my future work travel and exactly being where I'm going to be very strategic. And you offered great advice as well. When we're present, be present. Because it's easy not to be present when we're present, right? But focusing on that intention. So thank you for that. Last question, Sam. Okay, come on, hit me with it. Hit you with it. So what advice would you give to women who are stepping into a leadership role, particularly those who are managing motherhood and future exec roles? What would be your advice? Um, My teams hear me say this all the time. So any of them listening, it won't be a surprise. They'll just roll their eyes. Um, I, I often say, slow down to speed up. You 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 cannot speed your way through the complexities of managing a home, um, supporting your children, supporting your your spouse, your partner, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your work commitments. Um, you know, getting the car tires changed. Um, you know, whatever it may be, each of those becomes a competing priority if you don't slow down. And actually what we know is that they're not competing priorities. Each one of those has somewhere on the spectrum of importance. Mm-hmm. Um, so slow down to speed up, mm-hmm. accept failure, um, you know, know that you are going to screw up. Mm-hmm. Um, you will burn dinner. You will make a terrible spaghetti bolognese on occasion, despite following Nonna's recipe of 150 years um, or opening the jar. Um, you you will forget something. Um, you will be late collecting your child from school and you, mil- you will miss the beginning or the end of the play. Um, and you will forget that it's home economics and you are meant to pack um, eggs and flour and, and, and. And actually, you know what? It's okay. It's not a car crash. Um, It's one of those things. You won't be the first person that forgot. You certainly won't be the last. Mm -hmm. Um, It's how you deal with the myth 
And mm. often you can deal with the myth really easily. Um, it's picking up the phone and saying, I'm going to be 10 minutes late because I have to go to the store because I forgot my son's home economics pack. So deal with that. And the rest of the day doesn't need to be a downstream disaster because of it. Um, so accept failure. Um, know that it's not all going to run smoothly and definitely slow down to speed up. Yeah. Sam, I can't tell if this is more of a therapy session for me <laughs> or for our listeners out there. I just love the way that you're able to encourage people to be human and that we're all human because so many of us strive for perfection. We try to minimize weaknesses, but you lean into it. I think that's beautiful advice. You're a beautiful person, Sam. Thank you for being here. Appreciate your time. Such wisdom. And just to our listeners out there, if you like what you've heard, you're welcome to subscribe. And Sam, what's the best way to connect with you? People can find you on LinkedIn. You mentioned yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. Just um, look for Sam Smith at Magnet Global um, or you can find me on X. Um, uh, again, just search Magnet Global or I think I'm at Real Sam Smith with a one uh, because some chap called Sam Smith stole my tagline. Um, but, you know, Real Sam Smith, you'll be able to find me. Plus, that goes hand in hand with our conversation. Real Sam Smith, because you are real Sam I Smith. I am the real That's Sam Smith. Here. No avatars, burnt pies, good pies, whatever it is. <laughs> pies you, are always Sam. welcome. Appreciate you coming on today. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Take care.